concerned about the pie, aren't we? Right? The pie is never big enough, is it? And so we're wondering, what kind of a piece of pie am I going to get? Because we all have responsibilities, don't you? Don't we? And I have, uh, I have three kids, soon to be four. I know what it happens in our house when we have a pie, how quickly it goes, right? The pie disappears fast, and then we're just getting a little bit of pie. Mm-hmm. It's very good. It's very good. All right, I'm gonna sh- I promise you I will share this pie after service. It'll be in the back. This is why I go to Costco for my pies, because they're large pies. But it's really, that is the question. Do we have enough pie? Is there enough pie to go around? Am I going to get any pie to enjoy? Now, we live in a culture, in a world that loves pie, don't we? And you know what? We're going to talk about pie today because God cares about what you do with the pie. He does. He wants us to be responsible, to enjoy the pie, but to be responsible for how it gets used and distributed. And so um, what does God have to say about the pie? How we're to use our slice of the pie? How we're to share pie to benefit others? Because God has purposes in this world. And he wants us to be generous with the pie. Now, just a few things. Whenever we talk about money or the size of our pie and what we're doing with our pie, we get anxious, don't we, in church? We're talking about money today. Some of us, we feel nervous just because that's the topic. But I want you to know that this is a guilt-free zone. Um, I mean, uh, we're going to look at what God has to say about what we're supposed to do with the pie, but there will be no manipulation. We're not starting a giving campaign. We don't have a, a big deal that we want you to participate in today. So just relax. Take a breath. But join me as we look at what God has to say about the pie, because he does care about the pie. He cares about how we use our resources. Jesus talked about money more than 15% of the time. He talked about some pretty important subjects. And he knew money was important. Why? Because often um, we allow money to get in the way of our relationship with God. And there is a connection between what we do with our pie, our resources, and what our relationship with God looks like. All right. So God's economy is different from the economy that we live in in our world. It's just different. It's upside down. Now, we live in a culture where we're always trying to do what? We're trying to get a bigger pie or a bigger slice of the pie. I mean, that's our world, right? We're in America. We deserve more pie. I should, if I could get more pie, then life would be so much better, right? But God's economy tells us that if we have the basics, then we have enough to share with others. There's always these additional things that we can pursue. There's always this more pie that we could you know, wish that we had. But God says when you have the basics, you have enough to share. That's his economy. And Jesus talks about this often throughout the Gospels. There's one time where um, a guy came to him with a question related to God's economy. 
And what he says is, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to share his part of the inheritance with me. And what he meant was, I need a bigger piece of the pie. My older brother, he gets a bigger share. I want my equal share of the pie. So Jesus, tell him to do that. And here's what Jesus says. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And then he goes on to tell a story. Now, last week we talked about some words of Jesus where he said, don't store up your treasures here on earth where they're just going to fade away and ultimately disintegrate. Focus on building treasure that's eternal, treasure in heaven. And here's what he went on to tell a story. It was a parable. He said there was a rich man. And this rich man, he had an incredible harvest. And so as uh, the harvest was coming in, he was like, where am I going to put all this, this incredible produce from my harvest? And so he looked around and he saw the size of his barns and he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my existing barns. I mean, that's what we do in America, right? I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger barns and then I'll be able to store all this produce and I'll be able to live for years. I can take it easy, drink, eat, be merry, enjoy life. Sit back and relax. I earned it, right? And Jesus says, he says, you fool. Don't you know that tonight your life will be required from you? And then who will get all this stuff that you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for all those who store up things for themselves but are not rich toward God. Now, the problem wasn't that he had a great harvest. It's what he was going to do with the harvest. It was all for him. And you know what? God's saying, no, that's not my economy. My economy is different. And here's how it starts. Here's that kind of the foundational statement for understanding what God's about and why our pie, why our resources are important. It's all God's. Everything we have flows out of God's generosity to us. So let that sit in, that all that we have is from God. Everything flows out of God's generosity to us. That's the starting point as we look at our pie, as we look at our resources, we look at our lives. It begins with God. Now here's the interesting thing about God. God doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't. I mean, if we throw a few thousand dollars out there, God's like, that's great. I want you to participate in what I'm doing. But I don't need anything from you. I'm God. What I want you to know is that all good things flow out of me. The opportunities you have, the blessings you have, living in this place here in America, that all flows out of God. And therefore, he says, I do care about what you do with your resources. Now listen to this. From the very beginning of Scripture, um, God uh, kind of details this for us. God created. He created all the, the universe, the world. He created us. He created human beings for a unique relationship with him so that we could represent him, so that we could live with his character and his generosity in the world. Why? Human beings are made in God's image. We're to reflect his generosity. We're to reflect his character, his goodness to the world. That's why God cares about what we do 
with what he's given us or entrusted us with. Okay, listen to this text. Here's our kind of main text, and we have a couple others that we'll look at. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And uh, next week we'll continue this text uh, from 1 Timothy 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, we look at this text, and it kind of it stands out to us that, you know, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, to be humble, um, and to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, it's very easy for us to land on the last few words, who gives us everything for our enjoyment, and we can say, yes, God wants me to enjoy my pie. He wants me to enjoy my stuff. It's true. He does. But we have a tendency to think, I'm not rich, so God has a message for the people who are rich in this world on how they should use their resources. But I can enjoy the little bit that I have. That's certainly true. You enjoy. We enjoy the little bit that we have. But what we have to understand is that in America where we live, we are rich. Now, we can always compare ourselves to somebody who has a lot more, right? But we do have wealth where we live in this part of the world, in this time. We have lots of resources. So what do we do with those resources? I found uh, some interesting statistics. Um, Here's some of what we spend our money on here in America. This is just pretty interesting stuff. In 2005, Americans spent $27.9 billion on candy. How about that? Halloween just passed. I'm sure we spent a big chunk of it then. In 2004, Americans spent $92.9 billion on refreshment beverages, such as soda and bottled water. In 2004, Americans spent almost $300 billion on domestic travel, vacation-type stuff. Um, Americans spent, listen to this, more than $100 billion, Americans spend over $100 billion a year just on fast food. $100 billion on fast food. Now, this is interesting, too. So generally, between 1959 and 2000, while the financial giving uh, by American Christians was declining, so over the last 60 years or so, uh, or 50 years or so, giving's been declining, the personal consumption expenditures of Americans have increased significantly. Eating out, toys, sports, technology. I didn't even do the technology one. That's a lot, too. We have lots of ways to spend our money in America, don't we? Now listen to this. These are just facts from all the statistics that they, uh, this, this is in a book. Um, I can give you the references if you like. Um, here's some of the, the facts that came from these statistics. The vast majority of American Christians give very little to church, parachurch, or non-religious charities. Fact, uh, here's another fact. High income earning American Christians. Now listen to this. High income earning American Christians... Um, like Americans generally give little or no money uh, or no more money as a percentage than people who make a lot less. So people of high income give virtually the same as people who have very low income uh, but claim to be Christians. 
Despite a massive growth um, of real per capita income over the 20th century, the average percentage share of income that's given by American Christians not only did not grow in proportion, but actually declined slightly during this period. Now think about this. This is over the last 100 years. So that means back in the Depression area in the 20s, the giving as a percentage or proportion of income was higher then than it is today. I think it, it was close to 3% then. It's like 2.3% on average today of income given. I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable. When you just look at the statistics in a time where we had so much less and there was lots of financial crisis, people were more generous than they are today. All right. Now, this is not a big guilt trip. This is just reality. And the question is, God doesn't want us to feel like we're in a hole or there's, you know, we're, we're not doing what we should be doing. He wants us to understand that everything comes from him. And he wants us to just be able to do our part as we give. Now, here's the most important thing as we think about finances, we think about the pie. The most important part is that our relationship with God is where this starts. That's the most important thing. Giving flows out of our relationship with God. We have a great treasure because of what God has done for us in Christ. Now look at this picture in the Old Testament. When Moses, um, he's about to get the commandments, he, you know, he's gathering the, the, the people of Israel and this is an amazing privilege because God is speaking to Moses on the mountain and he's going to give his particular instructions to his people. And here's what God says he wants Moses to tell the people. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you out on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that I want you to give the Israelites. Now, kingdom of priests, it just means that he wanted the people of Israel to represent him in the world, to be his messengers, to take the treasure that they've received and share it with others. And that's really God's message for us today as well. We have a treasure in Christ that should shape how we go about our lives, how we shape how we spend our money. And God called the Israelites to be faithful and to represent him well. Now, here's what's interesting too in this text. He says, remember what I did to Egypt. And as the people of God went into this new land, God said, I don't ever want you to fall into the habits of Egypt. Now, Egypt in that day was the most powerful nation in the world. And so they did a lot for their own benefit. In fact, the Hebrew people were mistreated very badly in that period of time. But God says to them, even though I freed you from Egypt, from that oppression, and you're going to have success, you're going to have resources as you go into the new land, don't ever be like them. Don't be like Egypt. I want you to be my generous, loving, compassionate representatives in the world. Um, so what does that look like for us? Um, I can think back to, to my uh, faith early on as I just made a commitment to follow Christ. I'm in, you know, early 20s, and I had, I never 
I've never seen or really talked to anybody about their giving. You know, why they gave, how they gave, all that kind of stuff. And I met this guy who's actually my boss, my first boss in sales, and he was just sharing his life with me because he was sorting through a lot of this stuff. And, and Phil's background, his journey was um, he grew up as a pastor's kid, and they never had anything. I mean, it was back in the day when pastors made virtually nothing. And he hated being poor. And so for years, you know, growing up, he just, uh, he didn't, he had all kinds of problems with the church. He'd understand why their, their, their family didn't have anything. And so he made a, a, a kind of his personal mission that as I grow up, I'm going to make lots of money, and I'm going to be independent, and I don't ever want to live like this again. And so um, he started working, you know, middle school, high school, started earning money, saving money, buying stuff that he wanted, uh, went through college, did well, and in his work life was doing great. He was earning good income, making commissions, and then... Um, you know, God kind of hit him on, I want you to be fully faithful. I don't want you to trust in this wealth. I want you, I don't want you to be arrogant in the success that you're having. I want you to be humble and put your trust in me. And, and you know, he'd known about God. He wanted to follow God and all that kind of stuff. But he got really serious about his faith. And so he said, I, I need to do something different with my finances. And he was sharing this with me. It was kind of early on for him. And he was talking about, Hey, Dave, here's why I give. And it was foreign to me. I, I didn't have much background in you know, giving that sort of thing. And then he said, here's some of the things that I'm starting to do with my money. And the thing that struck me as Phil was sharing this was, you know, even as he was talking about it, I'm like, oh, man, how does this affect me? You know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian now. And, um, but the thing that struck me was he was happy about it. In fact, the more little things that Phil did for people, the more uh, you know, that he supported church or various missions that were important to him, the more joy he felt. And this reality started to, to hit home in me that God wants us to experience the joy that he has, the generosity that he has because he's made us in his image and he's drawn us to relationship with Christ so that we can be a part of what he's doing in the world. You see, throughout scriptures, the, the scriptures, God creates patterns for how we're to live, how we're to, to share what we have. And we're gonna talk about two principles on these patterns. Um, here are the two principles, and then we'll start with the first one. These two principles are, the first is that we are called to give first, not out of what's left over. Now think about that for a moment. We're called, this is part of God's economy, to give first, not out of what's left over. The second thing, the principle that God gives us, is that we're called to give a percentage of what we make to build up the church and help people who are in need. All right, so let's talk about the first one. God calls us to give first, not out of what's left over. This is completely counter to our culture, isn't it? I mean, giving first, giving the best part, um, that's kind of foreign to us. So how about this? this? This is an easy way to understand it. Do you have kids? Have you spent much time with kids? Uh, kids automatically get this, right? No, they don't. Giving first. They don't, do they? Um, what's the one, one of the first things that we start to teach kids? We teach our kids. 
I want you to share with your friends, with your brothers and sisters, right? And right away, they're like, of course. How did I not know this? Not at all. They say, mine. This is mine, if they can talk. Otherwise, they just hit stuff. What do kids do when you say, oh, I want you to share this food, this toy with your friend? Or What do they do? They'll take that, they'll even take cake. They'll take toys, but they'll take cake and they'll hide it, right? That's why we find so much candy in our kids' rooms. They hide what we ask them to share. Or they'll give their friend or their sibling a little bite. They'll give them just like a little crumb. They're like, here you go, this is for you. And then they'll start stuffing something in their own mouth. Because that's what we're like as human beings, right? And so we can, we can laugh at kids and we know the difficulty of helping our children understand how important it is to share. But it's really the same for us. We just have bigger things, bigger priorities that we want, don't we? You see, God, um, we see this all throughout the stories of the Old Testament where God calls his people to give first. It's called first fruits because God knows that we don't do well, we won't be generous if we're just giving what's left over because a lot of times there's not much left over, right? It just isn't. I mean, uh, we all have plenty of expenses. We have plenty of responsibilities. It's hard to give out of what's left over. Now, I wanna share this, another picture from the Old Testament. Uh, this is a powerful picture on this idea of giving first. Hezekiah is king. It's about 700 BC, 700 years before Christ came on the scene. And Hezekiah is raised up as this young king. And it's a point in time where his father was not a faithful king. He'd done all kinds of wrong um, before God. And so Hezekiah somehow, as he'd grown up in the law of God, was incredibly faithful and wanted to please God. And so the prophet at that time was Isaiah. Um, and Isaiah said, all right, this is how God wants you to king, be king, how he wants you to lead the people. You're gonna change some things. And his father and other kings had set up all these you know, different temples and areas of worship to, to worship other gods. They made all, other, all, different, all different kinds of things first before God. And Hezekiah, the first thing he did was, I'm tearing down all these temples. We're gonna get right with God. And so here's what he asked the people as they have this big ceremony early on in his kingship. He sends out a, a, a decree to the people and he says, I want you to bring an offering that will show your love and devotion to the Lord God. We're clearing out all this other stuff. We're gonna get back to basics with God. And so I want us to live this out. Let's give first to the God we're gonna serve together. And here's what the text uh, says. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil, and honey, and all the fields had produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. The people of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and flocks and a tithe of their holy things dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them up in heaps. They began doing this in the third month and finished in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, imagine the scene, 
They praised the Lord and blessed his people Israel. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 31, a history book. But in the midst of this history, this monumental time where the people did something incredible to show their devotion to God. Um, now think about it. All these, these heaps of stuff. Now, Hezekiah, he had another problem because he had to decide, what am I going to do with all this stuff? How big are the barns going to be? I'm going to read about that if you want to follow up on that. But the people were incredibly generous because they devoted themselves to God. And it was because of this principle, giving first. First fruits. They didn't go start kind of looking through their, their house or through their storage shed and pull out all this old stuff that they didn't use anymore. They brought their best to God. And that's what God wants us to do. So the question is, how can we give first? Because the reality, I, I know the world you live in. I, you know, I, I can't look into your financial situation, but I know that many of us have lots of debt. We have lots of things to worry about. We have lots of things that we don't know exactly, you know, how am I gonna get this paid off? How am I gonna do this? How are we gonna, you know, how am I gonna send my kid to college? You know, all these different things. Um, but how do we give first? Now, here's my story. So as a, as a young Christian, um, I, I can remember th- uh, back to that time, meeting with um, my, my pastor, and uh, I was talking about, okay, what does it mean now to be a part of the church? And so I was looking at where I was going to serve. Uh, of course, every you know, 22-year-old who's going to serve in the church, where do they go? High school. I had to be with the high school kids, uh, which it was actually pretty fun. But So where am I going to serve? And then he started talking about money. Dave, you need to start making giving a part of your relationship with God, too. And I can remember, you know, I'm just kind of listening to him. And it's like, it doesn't matter what he says. It's, it's not going to break through. Um, and, and, and so I said to him, I said, hey, I want to give. But I only make, you know, like $25,000 a year right now. So when I start making 40, I'm, when I make 30, then I'll start giving. And he said, there's always going to be something out there, right? You can make 30, you can make 50, you can make 100, you can make $200,000. But there's always going to be something to buy. There's going to be something to do. And he said, why don't you just start now with what you have? Because that's also a biblical principle throughout the scriptures. It's not with what we might have. God simply calls us to give out of what we have. And that's all that he requires, and to give first. And so I started wrestling through that. Okay, if I'm going to give now, what can I afford to give? I'm just getting done with school stuff. I've just bought a car. I'm starting to do all these things. I still lived at home. I had a little extra, but I wasn't quite ready. So how do we start now? Well, <clears throat> I think the first thing is we have to have a clear lay of the land. Um, I remember I had a, a friend in college, and uh, his, his nickname was Fudge. I can't even remember what his first name, but he was Fudge. In freshman year of college, he was just always out doing stuff. He was out partying all the time, and he brought pizza back like every night. And I can remember going to the money machine then, 
and uh, going with Fudge, and Fudge's like, hey, let's see what happens. I'm going to put in my card and put in 20 bucks. And he literally didn't know if any money would come out. He had no idea what was in his account. I'm like, how do you live like that? Well, it's, it's very easy for us to have kind of a fuzz picture, a fuzzy picture of our financial situation. One of the things God says is if you're going to give first, you've got to have a clear idea of your financial situation. You've got to have some kind of a budget. If you're even going to consider making a commitment to give first. And God does want us to consider it. He does care about how we use the pie. And you may be saying, well, Dave, I've got so much debt. There's no way I can give right now. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got people calling me. I've got, you know, I can't keep up. Um, well, you need a plan, right? And what I would encourage you is, just like the pastor told me years ago, just start. I don't care whether it's five bucks or 10 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever. Just start and trust God. Because that's what it comes down to for us. Is it, it is a step of faith for us to begin to say, all right, I'm, I'm going to give. Um, but God says, trust me. Test me in this. I want you to experience the blessing of generosity. I'm going to help you. Take the step of faith. Um, so uh, here's kind of how I learned. Ultimately, I had to make a decision. I don't remember if it was like that month. Or if it was, you know, that, you know, within a, I don't remember exactly what it is, was, but at some point I took a look at my budget and I said, all right, here's the money I have going out. Here's what I'm going to give first. I don't even remember what the amount was. Maybe it was a hundred bucks a month. I don't know. I just said, I'm going to do this. And you know what? It didn't feel good. I, it's not like I was all like, this is awesome. Especially when I wrote that first check, a hundred bucks. But God was faithful. And we simply need to make a commitment to say, I'm going to do this. All right. Um, there are lots of good tools to help as you think about your budget. If, if you need help, you can go back to the connection area after service. And um, we, have, we have deacons here at Rock Hills. We, ha- we use financial peace. So we have materials that we can connect you to. There's also um, a website called Christian PF. Dot com. Must be ChristianPersonalFinance.com. I went to, I checked it out. It's got some great resources. They send out emails, um, but they also help in budgeting as well. Um, God doesn't want us to feel like failures. He wants us to rejoice in the blessings and the pie that we have and know how we can share it. Okay, here's the second principle. So the first is we give first. The second commitment is God calls us to give a percentage of our income to support the church and help others in need. A percentage. Now, throughout the scriptures, you saw it in the text that we read from Chronicles, it's 10%. And you may be thinking, oh, gee whiz, that's 10%. Um, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying that's the guideline throughout the scriptures. Percentage giving. Um, so what I want to encourage you to do, if you're not giving on a regular basis, I want you to just pick a percentage. I want you to pray about it. I want you to talk to God, maybe ask a friend and say, all right, 
here's the percentage I'm going to pick. And as you look at end of the year, we've got a new year coming up, say, all right, here's the commitment that I want to make to give this amount of resources each month. Now listen to this text here in Corinthians. This is in the New Testament. Um, this is a, a very young church. Uh, they've got all kinds of problems. There's all kinds of stuff that's going on in, uh, in Corinth. Um, but listen to this text. And here's how this section begins. It says, Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. It's not like they were super wealthy. They had everything they needed. No, it was out of their tough times that generosity welled up, and they wanted to help others who had a greater need. And here's what uh, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians. He says this, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to God's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we, so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now here's what's happening in the text. See, just as uh, he had her earlier made a beginning, they made a commitment to give to help this community, and he's just saying, Paul's saying, I want you to follow through on that commitment that you've made. And then in the next, uh, next chapter, he says this in chapter 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And that's what God wants for us. And as we think about how we can share part of our pie with others who have need, there's joy in it. Um, and I know that from experience now. I didn't know that, you know, 20 or so years ago. I, I know that from experience now. And so what am I asking of this community? Well, simply this. I mean, I want us to be faithful. This is a great church, Rock Hills Church. This is a great community. But God doesn't want any of his churches just to have a few people that support most of uh, you know, the ministry. He wants everybody to participate in their own way. Doesn't matter what it is, but for everybody to participate, because that's what makes a church healthy and strong. Um, and that's really what God is asking us to consider. What does it mean for me to give first? What does it mean for me to give a percentage of what I make to support, to build up the church, to make it a healthy church, and also to give to people who are in need? Now, here's one thing that I want to say to you also. If you're sitting back and you're saying, all right, Dave, um, you said this isn't a, a big plea or you, you know, we're starting a big thing here. Um, if, if you don't trust me on this, that's, that's okay. You, just be where you are. That's fine. You don't have to give to Rock Hills. You can give. Uh, we've got water projects coming up. There are lots of organizations that could use your support this time of year. But God calls us to give and to be generous and to share what we have. And I want to help you in that. 
Because I know that's what brings us joy. That's where God shows us more of what we can be involved in this life. This is how he builds up our faith, how he strengthens us so we can actually help other people and strengthen their faith as well. So today, I'm asking you to first ask God to make a plan in whatever that is. Maybe it's 50 bucks, maybe it's 100. Maybe it's 500 or 1,000. I don't know what it is. Ask God and take that step of faith and go with it because I promise you, he will bless you and he will give strength to this community.